You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by M-Prize Bank, your partner in Possible. Who you do business with is more important than where they're located. Bank from the comfort of your own home with M-Prize Bank. Coming up, the latest episode of the KC Laboratory Podcast with Ken Swanson, Craig Stout, and Matt Lane. Coming to you on the fastest growing sports media network in Kansas City. You can find all of our channels covering all the local teams wherever you listen to podcasts or on YouTube. Just search KCSN. And now, the latest episode of the KC Laboratory. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the KC Laboratory brought to you by Emprise Bank. I am Craig Stout. Joining me this week is my good pal, Maddie Lane. Maddie, my friend. The Hall of Fame game is on while we are recording this. Are you that broken yes. up about the fact that you are missing out on the first terrible game of preseason football? No, because the Hall of Fame game doesn't count. Like, I, I hate to break that to people. I love football coming back as much as the next person. The Hall of Fame game is the Hall of Fake game. Um, It's not real. I would rather watch college football spring practice scrimmages that are now on ESPN <laughs> over the Hall of Fame game. It's just nobody cares about that game when it comes on. Not the third stringers that are starting the game, not the eighth stringers that end up playing by mid-second quarter. No one cares. So no, I'm not too sad to miss it. I honestly won't watch a single snap of it. If I, you know, the Chiefs are playing. Okay, yeah, I probably yes. would. But any other yeah. team, I, completely out. Man, did you see the, the list of inactives for the Browns today? The list of guys that didn't dress? It's like anyone that makes the team should address. <laughs> yeah. 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 Which well, I've always found it a little funny that like nobody wants to play in it at all. Is it like because it's a week earlier than the first preseason game? They're not maybe they need that extra week to be ready. It's just, it's always weird. Like, why not? I don't know, play this game for like a series and then play the next one, the next one, and then sit out the last one. Why do they right. always sit out this first one? I don't know. I've always found that a little odd, but it is what it is. It is. It is really odd. We had ourselves a little bit of news, Chiefs news the, today. It wasn't just uh, the Hall of Fame game. Uh, ESPN reporter Diana Rossini was on the Pat McAfee show today, and Pat McAfee kind of asked a blanket statement about the players that aren't at camp, holdouts, things like that. He mentioned several names, and one of the names was Chris Jones. So her comment that came out of this was, quote, the number that Chris Jones wants is it's a big number. It is a big number. But she also said, I would conversation with somebody this morning that's involved in negotiations they still feel really optimistic that they are going to get it done maddie we have been talking relentlessly about chris jones when is he going to show up what is it what does he want a big big number that comment right there i think is what set kind of everybody off a lot of conversations about what's chris jones worth where is it there let's start with that part of it are you surprised? Can we just start with the can we just start with the the comment by itself? Um yes. clearly the person involved in the negotiations that's confident that gets done is the agent. The same yes. one <laughs> that is, you know, has a general number. Like very clearly, we know who the person involved in the negotiations are. So yeah, they're confident they're gonna get it done. I don't think that means anything. I just wanted to start with that part of it is it's not, I don't believe that this is talking to both sides, both sides of this story. I mean, like, oh, they're getting pretty close. Like, I don't know if anyone took it that way. I was not, I did not see much of the response to it today. But when you just said that, the first thing I thought is like, well, yeah, the agent is saying they're close because they know the number and like, they just wanted to get there. I, a, any other takeaway from you from that? I mean, from those two comments, no, no. I, I think that those are both coming from the agent, if I had to guess that sort of thing. So, yeah, they definitely feel confident it's going to get done because I'm sure the agent is portraying that to Chris Jones as well, as they should. It's like, hey, we're going to get it done. We know you want to be here, et cetera, et cetera. The other part of this, because Diana went into several other things here, the other part of this is she actually did talk to some chief sources. That comment may not have been from one. But she did talk to some chief sources, specifically Andy Reid, Brett Veach, 
She said, quote, going back to the ring ceremony I attended with the Chiefs a few months ago and talking to them, they were like, we're going to get this done. Andy Reid was like, Chris Jones will show up, and then he didn't show up. That threw a little bit of a wrench. They weren't expecting him to not show up. That's where it did get a little bit off track. And then she kind of ended here. The sense I get, it will get done. Chris wants to be there. They want Chris there. Look, could it go off track? Yeah, of course, we have seen that happen. So it definitely feels like the Chiefs went, okay, we're willing to come to the table. We're willing to have conversations. We're willing to go through all of this. And then when he didn't show up to camp, it might have mixed some things around a little bit for the Chiefs. Is that how you're reading that, Matty, or is that just me? Um, I mean, I think there's something to that. So I, let's take a trip back three years into okay. uh, the Chris Jones saga when Chris Jones didn't show up to Chiefs training camp initially before during the last contract negotiation. You and I sat on a podcast similar to this and said, hey, guys don't sit out on Andy Reid and then get a long-term contract. And like, yes, there were some examples, especially a couple with the Chiefs, with like, you know, Eric Berry, Justin Houston, those didn't turn out so great. So we were just like, had warned, like, hey, maybe this doesn't work for Andy Reid. Maybe it doesn't fly. Well, Chris Jones did it. Guess what? He signed that long-term yeah, deal. Hey. He has now gotten <laughs> three years into that long-term deal. And he is still here right now. So it has happened before, but there are not that many guys who have sat out on Andy Reid training camps and then stuck around a team. It kind of seems like it's just one of those things that his teams don't have guys do this very frequently. It's not a common thing. So yeah, if you want to say that the team and by team, I mean like Andy Reid and the coaching staff felt pretty good about the way things were going and that Chris would still be there. Cause Hey, you're still making a ton of money this year to show up and play, right? You're still making a lot of money. And maybe that was their thought. And then they thought him showing up would be good faith. The two sides would get together and make it work. And then he doesn't show up. I am not ready to say that's not something that irks an Andy Reid led football team. I'm not willing to say that's something that Andy Reid doesn't take a little personally or doesn't take a certain way. I'm not saying he does for sure, but I'm not willing to say he doesn't at all. So yeah, doing that a second time to Andy Reid, that's that might mean something to him. That might send him a certain way. And that could have thrown a little wrench into stuff because I don't, Andy Reid hates answering your questions at the podium about why hates guys aren't them. there. <laughs> he absolutely hates it and he's not making a decision based on having to answer these questions but i also think he gets annoyed when guys don't show up to his training camp he puts a lot of effort into it he puts guys through a big workout it's not just oh you need to learn the system because we know chris jones knows that he wants guys to be there guys not being there i don't think he likes that at all and chris has now pushed that button twice yeah, I, I, I'm seeing a lot of people that are sitting here talking about how he's 29, he's you know going to be 30, the large part of this contract is going to be a lot of Listen. things that Brett Veach doesn't typically pay. Yes, fully agree. We've kind of conversated about that a lot. <laughs> also seeing a little bit in the chat about a franchise tag. Guys, if they franchise tag Chris Jones, it's not an average of the top five salaries. It's 120% of the offered player's current salary. Chris Jones is making a boatload of money right now. And then you get to you know, multiply that by 120%. Like that is a scary, huge cap number. That's QB cap numbers, basically, that we're talking about there for next year. For Chris Jones is not playing on the franchise tag next year, period. They may tag him, but he ain't playing on that tag next year for anybody like that. All right, Maddie. Anything more about Chris Jones here? Are you more or less worried about the, all of this with Diana Rossini coming out, saying this? Again, she feels pretty confident that this is going to get done. That's what I walked away. She personally feels pretty confident about that. What is your kind of vibe check with the Chris Jones situation after today? Did it change? No, uh, he's going to play this year. I I find it very hard to believe for either side that he's not going to play this year, especially his. Like, he can't really not. Like, he's got a lot of money riding on this, so he's going to play. If not, hey, check out the uh, KCSN Substack tomorrow. Um, we're writing about what the Chiefs might be doing if Chris Jones does decide to sit out, as unlikely as it may be, but you might find some ideas and nuggets in there. But in terms of the long-term deal, like, no. I the. I am less and less confident as we keep going that there's a long-term deal. I know that she reported that there's confidence there, but 
I think the two sides are a little farther apart than what we probably would be hoping for at this point in time. I don't think the two sides are that close, right? And if they're not that close, I don't see anybody budging at this point in time. I don't think the Chiefs are going to panic all of a sudden and throw him $30 million, uh, you know, average per year at his age. I just I think if that's the number to get it done, I don't think the Chiefs come to it. And at this point, like you've gone this long, what? why would Chris Jones come in and now sign for $25 million per year? Like, why would he all of a sudden come in and just barely edge out Quinton Williams when this was probably something that could have been done weeks ago? So it's just at this point in time, no, I, I would be a little, I, I'm going to be a little surprised that the long-term deal gets done. I'm kind of edging towards that side of it now. And see, I think I'm going the other way here. I think I'll be, I'll, I'll be contrary to you. I'll go the other way. Go for it. The chiefs know Chris Jones's number. That number is not changing. Like he and his agent aren't sitting around with the rest of the deals that got done this off season, that none of them blew the doors off of anything here. As a matter of fact, I think, Maddie, you and I, after every single one of these deals, we went, oh, wow, that was a little bit less than we thought. Like, I mean, that's kind of the way that I've approached every defensive tackle contract that has happened this offseason. I went, oh, okay, that's it. Chris Jones and his agent have had the same number all along. I fully believe that. Now, maybe the Chiefs moved the goalposts a little bit after some of the defensive tackle contracts. But then there wouldn't be that level of confidence for me. There wouldn't be this, hey, over the past few months, I've talked to chief sources. They really, truly believe that this is getting done. If that's the case, you know, these contracts are not done in a vacuum. Brett Veach and company know pretty much what Quinton Williams is going to get paid. There are very few contracts that come out of complete nowhere, like a Christian Kirk contract, and just blow this thing out of the water. I don't think that the Chiefs have really budged off of their number, and I don't think that Chris Jones has budged off of his. I agree with that, but the fact that there's optimism around it and the fact that, you know, over the past few months, all she's hearing is, yeah, there's going to be a deal that gets done. I just think that it's waiting for a deadline to make it happen, and maybe that's week one. Maybe that's another scenario that we're not even thinking about that we don't know. You know, he's accruing a bunch of fines right now for not being in camp. Maybe there's a level that the Chiefs know that he's going to stop accruing fines and come into camp. We'll see what that is. But as it stands right now, her coming out, her saying, hey, I think that this is going to get done. All the vibes that I'm getting from the Chiefs, they think it's going to get done. Chris's agent thinks it's going to get done. That, to me, tells me that, yeah, they may be far apart on it, but the thing is happening, in my opinion, still. So I'm maybe a little bit more optimistic that it happens based on her report today for me. So here's some interest, too. I'm glancing through defensive tackle contracts right and i'm just looking at like you know they're they're guaranteed and like this is the practical guaranteed so it's not 100 like fully guaranteed but the guaranteed amount for contracts chris jones last contract sits tied for third all time we are like current out of current defensive tackles at 60 million so if he plays out his contract he would have gotten 60 million dollars just guaranteed throughout the whole thing that's Mm -hmm. Tied with Dexter Lawrence, who just signed his. That's only below Quinton Williams and Aaron Donald, right? He got a really good contract three years ago. He did. At 26 years old. Everybody that just signed this year is 25. Chris Jones is trying to sign a new deal at 29 that takes, you know, that would start at age 30. Like, that's... That's something. And like, I get there can be like, I get there's maybe some optimism and stuff like that going around. Like there's one defensive tackle in the NFL who is on a big contract at the uh, 30 or above. And yeah, it's Aaron Donald, the only guy that's maybe better than Chris Jones. And we saw his first season of looking like a human, of looking like a normal NFL player. I'm not willing to say that Aaron Donald looked human last year. He looked, (laughs) he looked like a mortal human being. For the first time in his career last year at age 31, I just, you know, there's, I, I get there's optimism, I think. And I think there's a reason to be there. It's just, I, I don't know what's going to get, unless it's Chris Jones just coming down on his price because he realized the Chiefs aren't going to budge. That's the only way I see this getting done. Cause I don't, I don't foresee the Chiefs driving their number up. I think the Chiefs are making their line. It's up to him to come to it. I think so. And yeah, if he does, that's good. I just, I don't know if we're there yet. I think so too. And if that's the case and there's optimism from both sides, I, I, I mean, I, I think that there's something there. And if it was an age thing, you know, I, certainly the Chiefs can structure this to have a get out, you know, to where they're not tied to him through like, you know, age 34 or something like that. But 
I do believe that they would have traded him or figured out something with him this offseason to prevent something like this from happening, to prevent a holdout from happening, if they knew that they were just going to walk away anyway because he's going to be 30 and they don't feel comfortable with it. Again, the confidence in a deal getting done and the reports of that today, just it, it put me in a little different mindset. We are going to take a break and we will be right back with a little bit more of Chiefs Camp News. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. Hit the like button. Hit the subscribe button. Drop a five-star review. Maddie. I am putting you on the spot, buddy. What do you want the five-star reviews to say from today's episode? I wasn't ready for this, but that's okay. Um, You got to leave the five-star review. You can tell us how how much you love the show, how much you hate the show, how much you love Tucker's training camp videos. Whatever you want to tell us, as long as it's a five-star review. And then I want you to tell me, how much per year do you think the Chiefs should pay Chris Jones? You give me your number in the five-star reviews as you leave them and telling us whatever you want, and then how much money you think the Chiefs should pay Chris Jones on a yearly basis. Love it. Absolutely love it. All right. I know we've talked about wide receivers pretty much every one of these episodes since camp and started, Chris Jones. Maddie. And Chris Jones. We... <laughs> Guys, hey, guess guess what the major topics are? Kit Kit wants to talk about generic prints, but we we already we we got that. Today we're going to talk a little know, bit about. Can I address Justin. something before wide receivers? Yes, yes please do. Uh, just on generic prints, this will be quick. Um, mm-hmm. No, the Chiefs should not trade for Jonathan Taylor because they no. seem to be finding running backs pretty well in the draft right now. I think the running back room is pretty good as is. Please do not go acquire another running back. I don't think it makes a ton of sense. Despite that, Craig and I both thought the Chiefs should were going to and should have taken yes. Jonathan Taylor in the draft. Correct. And, you know, they should have. However, should have. The, the question was, how would he operate out of a shotgun system? He hasn't, he had not at that point, and even still now, really operated as a, as a runner out of a shotgun-based system. So, like, there's still some concerns fit-wise. Throw that on there with whatever's going on. Now, no, the Chiefs should not trade for him, partially because of Eric Prince, partially because of Isaiah Pacheco, partially because of Jarek McKinnon, and because running backs don't matter. Now and partially because he wants like $16 million. And if yeah, this team is well, going to be throwing money around, throw it at Chris Jones. Like, e- even if you're afraid that he's going to fall off here in two years, I would rather throw that money at Chris Jones and have his performance for two years than spend $16 million on a running back. We are not going to be spending that kind of money on running backs. We are talking a little bit about wide receivers and Justin Ross specifically. We've talked a ton about Rasheed Rice, about Sky Moore. The Chiefs have done a good job of talking about that as well. We covered Kadarius Tony a lot. We have touched on Justin Ross a little bit. Manny, he's running with the ones this week. Now, he's running with the twos a little bit today, but running with the ones a lot and seems to have gained Mahomes' trust in one-on-one coverage in the boundary. Manny, we are seeing lots of contested catch you know, opportunities for Justin Ross down the sidelines. Let's let's focus on the player first. 
does he look healthy to you? Does this look like a guy that is closer to the player that we were all so excited about, you know, three years ago? Yeah, I mean, I think so. That's it's so hard with injuries, right? And especially when you're dealing with a guy that has a foot injury and a neck injury and you're just operating off a training camp video. So half of the videos are coming out as in seven on seven. Half of the videos are coming out as being team period, but from far, like you can't really tell. But like what we do know, I think at this point in time is that he's playing with the ones a lot. He's making a lot of highlight plays. I'm not, he doesn't, that doesn't mean he's consistent. That doesn't mean he's doing it all the time, but he's making a lot of highlight plays. We've seen enough to say that he's, He's moving, I think, as well as Justin Ross probably physically is going to be able to. And that, that's good. Like, that's a good thing. I don't mean that in a bad way. I just mean that's a good thing, right? He's moving as well as his foot, as his neck, as his back are going to allow him to. And that's pushed him up into the first team, into the second. He was looking like a star in second team reps, playing with the first team and making plays day after day after day. And it's just, it's one of those things we talk about all the time. The Chiefs are a little slow to put young guys with first-team reps. They do cycle in wide receivers a lot or defensive backs, as we've talked about earlier this you know mm-hmm. season. But Justin Ross is getting these reps day after day after day. At this point in time, it's kind of become a constant, and I think that's when it starts to mean something. I think that's the case as well. And I think it's very interesting that not only is Justin Ross in those roles, making those plays, he certainly looks great. Doing them, especially, you know, ta- toe-tapping down the sidelines there, that's wonderful. We're also seeing a ton of Rasheed Rice. Again, another young player running with the ones, making some outstanding catches in contested situations. Manny, I <laughs> the more and more we see of uh, what this offense is doing and what they're taking, the more and more excited I am for teams to maybe test this team, test this offense in man-to-man coverage. We know that they're going to tear him up in zone. It was one of the things that we talked about a lot with Rasheed Rice when he was drafted. It's one of those guys that he's really good about, really good against zone, really good at sinking into those spots, finding the gaps, getting open, very Travis Kelsey-ish. You know, you got two guys out there. It's like if Teams are going to play zone against the Chiefs. Awesome. We welcome it because there are going to be guys that are going to find those seams really, really well. I think the thing that was always the problem and what we've seen give the Chiefs fits in the past, even with Tyreek Hill, you double up a Travis Kelsey, you shade a safety over the top of, you know, Tyreek Hill, number one receiver, whoever it is, and you just play man coverage across the board against everybody else. And you say, okay, we're fine. McCole Hardman. Go win. You know, MVS, go win. You guys are the ones that have to beat us. And a lot of defensive coordinators will pick and choose what they're willing for the Chiefs to try and have in these one-on-one situations. And time and time again, over the past several years, and, it, and the Chiefs offense has been fine without it, but we've seen situations where they've stalled out, they've struggled against specific man coverage, especially with wide receiver two, wide receiver three. It's not uncommon. Lots of teams do with that. But now we're starting to see guys like Justin Ross, Rasheed Rice, where it's not going to really matter from a man coverage perspective. You got a guy that's not allowing separation of these guys, and Patrick Mahomes is willing to throw the passes. Now all of a sudden, you know, the easiest way to knock a defensive coordinator out of man coverage is to get an explosive player to. We are seeing those in camp right now in man coverage with Justin Ross, with Rasheed Rice, that's why I'm so excited about these two all of a sudden because I'm looking at this and I'm going, man, defensive coordinators are a little bit screwed if either one of these guys works out in the way that they are in camp right now. Yeah, and this is something we've talked about. You know, the Chiefs' offensive identity changes or schematic changes throughout the years and what has come to fruition and what hasn't. And honestly, a lot of the stuff we've talked about has only come in, in spurts, right? Like they use the power run game a little bit. They got you know, some vertical passing stuff a little bit. Like they've never fully embraced some of the stuff, you know, that we talked about they might be going to. So last year they bring in MVS and Juju Smith-Schuster, two guys who don't create a ton of separation, win a little bit more at the catch point. And they got them going in that way a little bit. There was a couple back shoulder throws down the stretch. They weren't afraid. They gave MVS a few opportunities to catch the ball in contested spots down the field. You think Juju even got a couple over the middle of the field, but it still wasn't a main part of their game. 
Then they go out and they they also brought in Justin Ross as you know an undrafted free agent, and it looks like they're trying to give him a chance to push through the depth chart. And he's another guy that's a ball winner. They draft Rasheed Rice coming out of college in the second round last year, a little bit of a ball winner. Is there an actual push to get guys like that on this roster so that they can throw those passes? They clearly have guys that profile that way during training camp or against lower levels of competition, i.e. college. They've excelled in that regard. But when push comes to shove, it's Sunday, and the Chiefs need to pick up this third and seven. Is Andy Reid going to call a play where the first read is throwing a back shoulder throw to a Justin Ross or a Rasheed Rice? It's third and eight. Is Patrick Mahomes really about to hit a timing deep comeback to one of those guys with a deep, with a cornerback potentially hanging on his back? Or is he going to scramble and try to create something? Like at the end of the day, are Mahomes and Andy really going to go the route of throwing the ball into contested situations and letting somebody else make the play? I, I can't say yes or no right now. It's just, I kind of find it hard to believe that Andy and Mahomes are going to fully give up that kind of control of the play and let it be on a young wide receiver to make a difficult play. I will say that it's not going to be the first read. Travis Kelsey's your first read, period. Like, uh, that, that's who it is. Guess what? Travis is always your first read. But when teams double him to take him away, when teams shift that safety over the top of MVS, Kadarius Tony, even Sky Moore. We saw Sky Moore with a great vertical grab earlier today in camp. When we see that happen there and you've got that kind of that backside corner, you can see Mahomes. It's not like he's he's targeting Justin Ross or Rasheed Rice early in the rep. He's coming back to him a lot of times. And that's that's maybe where I'm most excited because, you know, it's, hey, Travis has doubled. I'm looking over here to my to my second read. Nope, that's not there either. Let's see what else we got on the field. Okay, this guy's covered still, but I trust him to go up and try and win the ball. I'm going to put it where maybe only he can get it. Maybe, you know, the DB's turned around. Those aren't the elements that we've seen him be, you know, use in his game lately. And that's where it's so intriguing. We've had lots of conversations about, is it a skill set that they don't want? Or is it a skill set that Patrick Mahomes doesn't have? And then you start thinking about this team got really excited about Josh Gordon for about this long. And, at this point in his career, was just basically a contested catch guy. They tried to add Kelvin Benjamin, a contested catch guy. Andy Reid loved Dwayne Bowe, who was a contested catch guy. We think of all these offenses. We think about guys that need separation, need to beat man coverage, you know, sharp breaks, get open quickly in the rep. They're still going to try and get that out of a Sky Moore, out of a Kadarius Tony, out of some of these guys. That's still going to be the goal from a lot of this. But when push comes to shove and they are in those situations like you're talking about, Maddie, where it's third and eight and things aren't going so great and, you know, the defense has it covered pretty well, rather than Patrick Mahomes tucking it, taking more hits, we've seen him get hurt a lot when he's running as of late, tucking it, taking more hits. He talked about staying in the pocket, trying to learn from Tom Brady, trying to trust his receivers to go up and get it. We're seeing a lot more of that in camp than I think that we ever have. And it gets me a little bit excited now because that, that extra solution on the table, which, you know, again, is not going to be a hundred percent of the time successful, but that extra solution on the table is just not something that they've had lately. Yeah, no, they absolutely haven't. And like, I, I want it to be the case. Cause I think it would help a lot. And like, I, I especially think on like the third down stuff, that's never going to be their preferred option. Maybe late in a play where things are breaking down. They, they resort to that as like a, a, as a last resort, but I think more than likely it's on first down and second down where you're getting teams that are doing a little bit more basic stuff, but they're going to be willing to leave these outside receivers one-on-one. That's where you might see the Chiefs be able to take these chances, these opportunities, and let a Ross, let a Rice, let MVS go make a play on the football because you are you still have other opportunities after that. I, I would be very surprised if on third downs or in two-minute drills, the Chiefs, when they need stuff to happen, you get a Rasheed Rice, you get Justin Ross, or even MVS, like these guys having a big impact in contested catch situations. I, I don't see Andy or Mahomes going that way on the money downs, but like on early downs, absolutely, and I hope they do. You mentioned it there, trying to learn a little bit from Tom Brady. I mean, 
when's the last time Tom Brady just threw YOLO balls too, though? Like he trusts oh, his never, wide receivers never. to get open. No, he's like, just talking about, about staying in the pocket yeah, more. That's all. Right. Yeah. It's, but it's all about the timing. But the Chiefs mm-hmm. didn't necessarily go out and add a bunch of elite route runners that are just creating separation. That's not what Correct. Ross and Rice's game is based around. That's kind of who we as fans, along with Sky Moore, are hoping are the future of the wide receiver room. They're not separation guys. So you have to look a little bit more to someone like Justin Herbert, who's very good at throwing, a, or Joe Burrow. Two guys who are really good at throwing a contested catch football, and you know what they do? They put it in the perfect spot for their guy to make the play. You want to know Patrick Mahomes' biggest weakness? Like, that kind of accuracy. Putting the ball in exactly one spot where only his guy gets it. He's generally accurate. He's generally very accurate from different arm, the best, most arm talent in the NFL. But you want to have him throw a jump ball to where only his guy can get it? There's probably seven or eight other quarterbacks that throw a better jump ball than he does. Maybe it's a lack of experience because the Chiefs haven't had that, or maybe it's just not a strong suit. So like, it'll be interesting to see if the Chiefs lean into it or not. It's just, you know, I, I want to see where it goes, because I like the concept. I just don't know how much Andy Reid and Mahomes really want to buy into it. And I get that. Andy Reid doesn't want to give that up. Andy Reid wants to be throwing to wide open guys who are going to get tons of yak. Like, I totally understand it. I'm not trying to take anything away. The offense is definitely still going to look very similar it just answers some of the questions that maybe we had about what are they doing with this wide receiver room? What are they trying to build here? And through camp, we've seen a little bit of that. We are going to take another break here, and we will be back to talk a little bit more about the defense because Kent ain't here. Let's go. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. Entertain, educate, inform. KC Sports Network. Hit that like button. Hit that subscribe button. Maddie. it's time to talk about some defense. I think most Chiefs fans going into this season think that this is probably the best Chiefs defense, at least from the get-go of Patrick Mahomes' career. You can certainly throw in the end of the year 2019 that tie, that first year with Steve Spagnuolo, Tyron Matthew, Frank Clark, that that defense at the end of the year was terrific, but at the start of the year they were struggling. We see some consistency. We see some confidence in this defense. I think most Chiefs fans would agree that it is the best potential defense of Mahomes' career. Would would you agree with that sentiment as well? Now, are you assuming Chris Jones doesn't hold out for the season? I'm assuming Chris Jones is okay. going to be there because he's making massive game checks. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think so. I, th- I think it has the potential, but my biggest holdup for what's going to stop it is the defense doesn't have a ton of true playmakers or rather guys to create turnovers. They don't have the guys, they don't have as many guys as this other defense that, you know, you referenced with Tyron Matthew and Frank Clark. They don't have as many guys that create those big negative plays as they had back then. It's going to be more sound. I have zero doubts. It's going to be a more Mm -hmm. consistent and sound defense, but not having Frank Clark, who in that first year was playing a lot better than he did down the stretch and how well that made Chris Jones play and the impact they got from other guys. Oh, and then Tyron Matthew and rookie season Juan Thornhill was something else entire. Oh, they still had Kendall Fuller at the time too. Like they had other guys. They had enough guys that made plays that I don't know if this defense has shown they have those guys yet. I think we talked about it recently. Trent McDuffie, very good player. Legereus Sneed, very good player. Sands, you know, Legereus Sneed's first stretch of his rookie year, those two guys aren't major playmakers. They're not forcing a ton of turnovers. The defensive end room has talent. It's young guys. But right now, I don't know if you can call a group of Charles O'Minihue, George Karloftis, and Felix, you know, playmakers. I don't know if you can call them guys that force turnovers. Like, I do think that's one area that this defense could potentially lack at. But overall, yes, it's a very talented defense. I would say from an impact sort of playmaker perspective, you've got Nick Bolton makes a lot of plays behind the line of scrimmage, you know, especially in the run game, going to make a lot of plays there. Nick Bolton's going to be there. Chris Jones going to be an impact player as well. I do believe that one of these two safeties, whether it be Brian Cook or whether it be Justin Reed, my money's on Justin Reed, is going to be a little bit more of a playmaker than we've seen in previous years. And I think we're going to see a lot more out of, 
uh, like a Jalen Watson or somebody like that. I really do fully believe that. But yes, I largely agree. I think it's going to be more consistent. I think you're going to see less sustained drives out of you know the opposition, but less turnovers. I, a lot more punts are going to be forced by this defense this year, so you're going to be seeing a lot more of that. The thing that I think maybe has me the most hyped, and I, I'm not going to speak for Maddie here, but I generally oh. know how he feels about players that play like this. The confidence that this defense has in camp right now is fantastic. I know that everybody is focusing very much on Travis Kelsey throwing punches, him saying, I got to keep my cool. I got to do all of that. You know why he's throwing punches? Because this defense is not letting him have any quarter. Like they are in his face, constantly knocking the ball out, giving him a little extra shove talking every little after every single play it is amazing to me and it's not just the jack cochran's and the dicaprio boodles it's brian cook it's jalen watson it's these it's these guys that are going to be potential starters or at the very least significant role players in this defense that are out here yapping getting everybody up getting everybody into it and i feel like they are taking Justin Reed's lead. Now, he's not sitting out here. He's not yapping a ton. But everything that he's saying in the media, this is the best defense that he's ever going to have played in. This is the most consistency that he's seen. This is the big growth that he's seen. How he feels as a physical player and a tone setter and everything like that. It seems like that is bleeding over into these young, you know, first and second year players that are playing with way more confidence than they have any business playing with with Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey on the other side. I personally, and again, this might just be the defensive guy in me, I love all of that. Don't hurt Travis, but I love that <laughs> irrational confidence going up against two of the greatest players to ever play the game. I think the defensive backfield especially is playing with a certain level of confidence and physicality that I don't think has been there over recent years. And this harkens back to who the leaders are and the stuff. And like, I just said a lot of great things about that Tyron Matthew led secondary and creating turnovers. You could very easily make an argument that they were not the most physically imposing or the guys mm -hmm. that played with the, I don't want to say edge because Tyron Matthew definitely played with an edge, oh, but it was a different kind edge. of edge. Yeah. Right. This is an entirely different kind of edge of physicality and, you know, trying to start stuff. And you can tell that this defensive backfield especially has taken to that. Like that's, that's a Justin Reed kind of mentality. Brian Cook seems to be in on a lot of it. So like, I don't even know if it's just a Justin Reed thing. Brian Cook seems to be starting or involved with a lot of the stuff, never going too far, just doing enough to be a little bit of an a-hole to the opponent, to the offense. And in this case, it's his own teammates. It's what the best tight end to ever play the position but he's pushing his buttons nonstop. And like, again, not going too far. And I do, I love that. I love that other, the secondary. I think that's great for them. And I think that's going to carry over to them playing with more confidence, playing a little bit more violent. And I do think that is something this defense needs and will go really well for them moving forward. So yeah, I, I'm with you. I am excited for that aspect of it. I'm excited. I think this, this secondary is going to hit. They're going to hit again. Mm. That's something they did really well <laughs> last year. I think they're going to do it again. So like, yeah, I like a lot of the way some of that stuff is going. I do wish that some of this attitude carried over to all other positions. Um, we've seen some, you know, dust ups from, you know, linebackers getting in on stuff and stuff like that. But like, I want to see once games start the defensive line playing with that same kind of edge, especially now without Frank Clark. Like I, mm -hmm. I, and Carlos Dunlap. I mean, I think those are two guys. If you want to tell me that somebody was setting a tone on the defensive line, I would probably put those guys in order as one, two for the guy setting that kind of tone. That doesn't mean they're better than Chris Jones. That just means if we're setting a tone of physicality and doing dirty work and kind of annoying the opposing opponent, those two guys would probably be one, two for me. They lose those two guys. That hasn't really been much of what the linebackers do. And that's, I just, I want to see the entire defense take on that mantra, not just the secondary. Yeah. And I think we might see that out of the defensive line when they're not playing in a hundred degree weather in St. Joe and leaning on another very large human being. It, it, you've been at camp plenty of times, Maddie, and you can actually go watch, you know, Mike DeVito and Jeff Allen kind of break down some of the <laughs> OLDL one on ones on the KCSN channel right here. If you go click over there. 
Um, there's there are reps that you take off. There is a little bit lighter stuff there. I agree that that secondary coming in here with that fire, having that energy despite being so young, and maybe they're just maybe they're just so foolish that they don't know any better. Like this is this is who we are now, and this is what we believe. And I mean that in the best possible way because. You play with that sort of fearlessness. You're going to go up and you're going to hit. You're not afraid to get beat. You're constantly going to be in on everything, punching at the ball, giving that little extra, pissing off the opposition. Like, I love that. Those are the exact kind of DBs that I fall in love with every year when we do the draft stuff. It's the exact kind of DBs that I've always loved when they played for the Chiefs. Like, that kind of mentality, that kind of level is just so fun to watch. So I'm going to say this, knowing full what we mentioned two of them. We mentioned Frank Clark and Tyron Matthew. Do we think that this defense as a whole is coming in with more confidence than they than any of those teams with Tyron Matthew and Frank Clark who did not lack for any sort of confidence just because it seems maybe a little more widespread throughout everybody here, specifically the secondary. Willie Gay's got a lot of confidence as well. I think Leo Chanel's carrying himself with that kind of confidence. I think it's bleeding over into some of those other players, which makes me think this might be the most confident defense that we've seen. I, Yeah, I, I, I'm going to ride the fence here, right? Because yeah. like you said, I, there's a lot of characters that had a lot of confidence on those, those past defenses, but it expressed it in a different way. This team, I definitely think has more guys that carry a quiet self-confidence that they play with, that they show. I don't mean that it's not obvious, but like, it's not always outward. It's not always easy to see. Whereas we can go pull up press clips or post-game interviews of Frank Clark or Tyron Matthew. And you're like, Oh yeah, that guy believes in himself very, very much. You don't get quite the same kind of like video clips or audio clips from this unit, but overall they do seem to be playing with a belief that they belong here, that they're better than the opponent, than they are the, the best unit on the field, that they are the better players, whether it's true or not, they're playing like that. And I do think that matters. So yeah, I do think that is something that that is going to help once the season starts. I think the one thing we have to see when they get punched in the mouth, how, how are they going to respond now, mm -hmm. right? Like they have lost a lot of veteran leadership from this defense over the past couple of years. They've lost the guys that have kind of been at the forefront of handling all the BS when it's flying at them. The people that are having to answer the questions on why they're not performing up to par. Why aren't they doing as good as they should be? You're not playing this hard. They lost a lot of scapegoats on this defense. Guys that you pointed to when it wasn't going well as the reasons why. So how, this unit with a lot of young guys, some newer pieces, like how are they going to handle it when they get punched in the mouth? I think they'll be fine because of that confidence, but that is the next hurdle they kind of have to pass. Absolutely. And I, I think we'd be joking, we'd be kidding ourselves if we didn't think that they were getting punched in the mouth plenty in practice by Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, you know, the this receiving core. Like you look at it, it's slanted toward the offense. They're giving up a ton of catches. They're giving up a lot of stuff to this. And the fact that they keep coming there makes me feel pretty good about the way that they're going to handle getting punched in the mouth again. Let's flip this just a little bit here. Travis Kelsey, over the past couple of years, I think the only thing that's really stopped him from being even more superhuman than he was was the abuse, the extra stuff that everybody, every single safety, every single linebacker, everybody can bring upon him to try and slow him down, to try and hurt him, try and make it to where he's not as effective as possible. I'm going to pose this hypothesis. Do we think this is intentional? Do we think that they're trying to piss off Travis Kelsey, trying to get him ready for the fact that this is a legitimate way that teams have tried to get under his skin, tried to stop him, and trying to basically trigger him into doing something that's going to get him kicked out of a game, going to get him hurt, something like that. Do we think that this is a purposeful element that the Chiefs defense and Steve Spagnuolo and maybe Andy Reid have tried to get into training camp this year? I think they are purposely trying to rip the ball out of offensive players' hands late and deep into the play because, one, it's happened to the Chiefs a lot. Two, it's happened to Travis Kelsey a few times in his career. And 
I think a defense that doesn't create a lot of turnovers wants to practice trying to create turnovers. And that's one way to do it. And I think it probably is very annoying in the heat during training camp for veteran players, especially one like Travis Kelsey, who, I mean, let's face it, has been living the celebrity life this offseason. He's got a podcast. He's going to all these different golfing events. He's been on Saturday Night Live. I don't mean this in a bad way, but this dude's been living his entire summer like a celebrity. And now he's going to St. Joe in pads, in the heat, and after every play, he has three different guys come up to him and rake in his arms and rip it in the football. Yeah, I can see him getting kind of pissed off about that. So <laughs> I do think it's purposeful. I just I don't know if it's targeted specifically at him, though. I mean, I, I'd like to think it. I, I, I just want that to be true. Like Andy <laughs> Reid's like, hey, man, you've had a great summer. That was that was a really fun offseason, wasn't it? We're going to piss you off for the next <laughs> Three, four weeks, you are going to hate life. And it's not just because it's hot as balls out here in St. Joe. Every single one of these guys that has no business being anywhere near you is going to be punching at your hands, going to be hitting you late, going to be trying to piss you off. I don't know. I just love that they're doing it. I love that it's there. I love that confidence there. That intensity is there in this camp. Andy Reid camps are very physical. They're very grueling, but they tend to start tapering at a certain point. And I don't know that we're going to see the taper this year. You know, I it, we see the camaraderie guys get together. It just kind of happens and everybody kind of gels together. It happens every single year. We are seeing a lot more physicality through the entirety of camp, even when, before pads were on. And now we're seeing a lot more intensity, a lot more pissed off players, a lot more guys that are holding themselves to a different standard. And I think it's for the better as long as Travis Kelsey doesn't break his hand trying to punch somebody's helmet. All right, Maddie, you got anything more before we get out of here, buddy? Yeah, I mean, we talked about the secondary and I mm -hmm. expressed my concerns about the team maybe not creating a ton of turnovers. Well, there is one guy that we haven't talked a lot about that is pretty good at forcing turnovers. Mike Edwards was brought in from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And let me tell you, if there was in Madden, right? In Madden, these guys get skills and traits and stuff like that. If there was like, just like a be in the right place at the right time section, <laughs> Mike Edwards would have like a 9,999 on that because there is nobody in football that is just always in the right spot to, to get turnovers. And like a lot of that is a skill. There is a skill to being in the right spot oh, yeah. at the right time. There's some dumb luck that is involved, but here's a guy that even here, as we go through training camp, is starting to ramp it up and causing turnovers for a defense and has struggled to do so. I don't think it's a coincidence that the Chiefs went out and got a guy that has forced a lot of turnovers, made a lot of plays in football and free agency to be their third safety for a team that has struggled to complete or to force these turnovers. So yeah, I, I think, I don't know if he's having a good camp necessarily, but I have seen over the past couple of days, his name showing up is coming away with turnovers and like, that's a good sign because that's what they got him for. I uh, what they call it in soccer, like a garbage man, goal poacher, you know, the guy that's always, you know, scoring off of like rebounds from, from goal. Like that's what Mike Edwards is. And like you said, that's an art. It really is an art with your positioning, you know, uh, seeing the way that the defender is reacting to it and adjusting the way that you're running, because, Hey, if this gets deflected, I'm going this way with it. I'm going to be able to make this play off of it. I like, we haven't talked a ton about Mike Edwards because that safety room is really good. And the Chiefs haven't talked a ton about Mike Edwards either. But they keep he keeps making plays day after day after day. It seems like he comes down with another interception, comes up with another, you know, pick off of a tip drill, you know, whatever the case may be. That is fun. That is really fun to kind of see. It it, it typically not replicatable, but you look at his career so far, you know, at Tampa, it's been highly replicatable so far. Like he just is, yeah. is that guy. That's what he does. So you want to tell me that that's a dime safety for this team? He's just out there to uh, make sure to basically clean up every, anything at the end of a game. Basically the ice, the, the icer on there. We saw Dan Sorensen do that for a little while. Maybe the new Dan Sorensen is Mike Edwards. and. Hopefully, you know, 
between, you know, the two minute <laughs> drills, he's, he's playing a little bit better than maybe Dan Sorensen did. But yeah, I, I like it. I like seeing that. I think that he's definitely making the case to make this roster. I, I really think, you know, that safety room is getting pretty crowded. And I think that that's a, you've got to do something. You got to have a talent. You got to have a skill to kind of stand out and be head and shoulders better than everybody else. That's why Maddie keeps bringing up Dion Bush. You know, special teams, having that skill, having that yeah. ability to play special teams. Mike Edwards can make this roster just by being the Johnny on the spot that's kind of there for interceptions, Maddie. Listen, Mike Edwards, over his last eight years of football, that's four years in college and four years in the pros, has had one year where he has not forced over one turnover. Like, that's interceptions or forced fumbles. And he's yeah. recovered four fumbles over that time. Like, this guy's just a walking turnover. He's just going to, in the NFL, two interceptions, three interceptions, two interceptions. And you go back to college, two, four, three, and then one as a freshman. And then he's forcing fumbles. One, like, it's just... The guy is going to get, he is going to get the ball back for your offense uh, multiple times throughout a season. It's kind of all but guaranteed at this point in time. That's what he does. And I think overall, you're going to see the thing with Mike Edwards. If he has to play a lot of snaps, there's going to be inconsistencies because he's not the best athlete. He's not the most dynamic guy in man coverage. He probably doesn't have the best eyes for zone coverage at all times, but what he does do very well is force turnovers. He's got one very specific job. He's very good at it. I think he's versatile enough that he's going to play all around. It's not like he's a terrible player that's just lucking into turnovers. I don't want to say it that way. It's just yeah. he is a third safety that's going to be out there on passing situations, and you are going to see a guy who's going to come out and force a couple turnovers this year as long as he's healthy because that's just kind of what he does, and that's that's something the Chiefs need. The Chiefs need a guy like that because, it, like I said, Outside of Jalen Watson, this secondary has struggled to complete turnovers. They can get good pass breakups, good coverage, good plays. They have struggled to complete turnovers outside of Watson. So you need some other guys to do it. And I, I mean, Edwards is kind of a secret weapon for that. He kind of is. He he is definitely not a chunky because he has figured out what he does. That's going to do it for this episode of the Casey Laboratory for Maddie Lane. I am Craig Stout. Be kind to each other, and we will catch you later. He can do that. Thank you for listening to KC Sports Network. We appreciate your support. Don't forget to hit that follow button and leave us a review if you like what you heard. You can find all six of our channels covering the Chiefs, Royals, Sporting KC, and the KC Current, plus KU, K-State, or Mizzou by searching KCSN wherever you listen to podcasts. We're also on YouTube. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network.